Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Do we think God could speak to us even without the internet? I think so. Actually, I'll just, just start by going off script and um, just sit where you are sitting and actually just close your eyes because I just felt one thing and I just want to say it. Um, as we actually started to sing the song, I Am Your Beloved, I sensed in my spirit that someone here like spontaneously thought, no, I'm not. <laughs> and it wasn't just like, a, it was just like a thought like, no, I'm not your beloved. You have no idea who I am, what I've done. And it almost came like a reflex. Like some, some thought that. And when we started, I am your beloved, you felt like I'm not. And you do not know who I am, what I've done. And what I felt, what I just, as I was thinking about that, I felt it so deep in my stomach. And I will, if you are a parent here, if you ever have heard your children, your child say something like, I'm ugly or I hate myself, I'm stupid, you would say, no, you're not. Stop thinking like that. Do not say that. That was what I actually felt when we, when we started singing, I am your beloved. Someone said, felt, no, I'm not. And I felt God saying, stop saying that. You are. And it wasn't like an angry God. It wasn't like, that's not the right theology. It was just God like, you are, you are my beloved. Do not think like that. I just felt I want to say that before we start. And yes, today we are looking at the character of God. And um, we will stay in Exodus 34, 6. Just going to read that before we start. Exodus 34, 6. So if you have some Bible, a Bible <laughs> or a phone... <laughs> Uh, you can have that, but it will, we would stay in that verse. And God passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abundant in love and faithfulness. So, we remember where this happens in Exodus 34. Moses is going up to Mount Sinai for the second time. First time, he came down from the mountain he found the people of Israel who God had remembered uh, in Egypt. God had redeemed this people from slavery. God had made a covenant with his people. But he found them corrupting themselves, making a wooden uh, or a graven image and worshiping it. So Moses gets really angry. He gets frustrated. He smashes the tablets with the Ten Commandments. He just crushes them. He gets all kinds of frustration. He appeals to God to spare the people. And then he go up to the mountain a second time. This is where we enter with this word. And there I see Moses desperate. He is desperate, calling to God, show me your glory, he says. And I can really think that he is, I think he's anxious, he is angry, he is disillusioned. He, there's a lot of things going on in Moses. It's like, what's going on? What is really going on? And he's just 
in front of God. God, show me. You need to show me now who you are. What is this? Show me your glory, he says. If there's ever a prayer that would change everything, it's that kind of prayer. But he was desperate. And God says to him, you are not able to see the fullness of my, I can't show you my glory because you would die. I am God, you are a man. You would not be able to, to stand that. But then God says, what I can do is I could pass by you. You can stand over here and you can see something of me, a, a glimpse of my glory. And then he says, this is for us. Then he says, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to speak and describe to you who I am on this desperate cry that Moses had. I need to show you now, to see you now. And then I'm going to tell you with my own words, I'm going to tell you who I am. Then he says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and the gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. This word, this very word is one of the most important in Scripture. And why would I know that? It's, that is the word that is in the Hebrew Bible that is most referred to of all the words in the Hebrew Bible. And in Scripture, this is the Scripture. That Scripture, oh, that was a lot of Scripture. You follow me. This is the verse Scripture refers to most in Scripture. Say that ten times. Um, just quickly, Moses later reminds God of this, these very words that we've spoken about. He, he reminds when he intercedes for his people in Numbers 13. When Nehemiah confesses his sin in Nehemiah chapter 9, he refers to this word. Jeremiah quotes this very description and words. When his people are facing captivity in Jeremiah 32, David in Psalm 103, 44 the prophets Joel and Jonah knew this verse really well. They, they quoted it a lot. You can see it in Deuteronomy 5, 1 Kings 3, Lamentation 3, Daniel 9, Nahum 3. And you all need to remember everything. Uh, so the point is, the Bible authors understood Exodus 34, 6. This very word we are looking at is a foundational state, statement of God. And the answer is pretty clear because this is the first time God, like this, with his own words, describes who he is. He describes who he is. So that's what we're going to look at today. And we were going to look at the very first words that come out of God's mouth when he's describing his core, who he really is, his character. Compassion. Compassionate. That's where we're going to look at. That word we're going to look at today. And in Hebrew scriptures, in Hebrew scriptures, orders of words actually matters. Uh, order, when you, as they are written and how they are put in the in the scripture, is a clue to what is most important. And the fact that compassion is the very first word, compassionate and gracious, is the top of that list. It would say that this is the dominant word. This is a dominant that God chooses when he's going to tell him who he is. He chooses compassionate first. He could have stated, this is like a major moment. He could have said, I am the creator. I am the all-powerful. I am the almighty one. And that would be, he would be in his right to do that, of course. 
But he does choose to start with, I am the compassionate one. That's the first description. And he starts by saying, the Lord, the Lord, meaning Yahweh, Yahweh, El, the Lord, the Lord, God. Just a simple point there is, that's what he's saying there is Yahweh, Yahweh, is I am, I am. It's quite in, he says it twice, and he doesn't say I was this, or I'm going to be, he says I am. He points to his own always being here and now, and that affects us as well in this room. God is I am. He hasn't changed. He hasn't looking back or looking forward. He is self-existent. I am points to self-existence, his eternal nature. I am active now. That's what God says. So as we dive into the word compassionate, I just want you to take a moment and just breathe a little bit, think a little bit, and I just want you to, not in a, not in a deep way, but scan yourself a little bit right now in, in the room. What do you sit with right now? If you were to just kind of hold metaphorically in your hands, what are your struggles right now? What are the things that kind of occupy you right now? You don't have to go back to when you fell off the bike when you were two, but what is, what is actually keeping you up? What is worrying you? What is troubling you right now? And if it makes sense to kind of sit with that a little bit as you listen to this message, sit with it, holding it as we listen to who God is. And there are two components that I want to look at, at the word compassionate. First, that the, the very word that is used about this in Scripture and the word God chooses is a very emotional word. It's a feeling word. It describes deep feelings. Number two, the meaning or the use of this word in Scripture also involves action from God's side. So that's the two things I want to look at. How it's described as a feeling word, an emotional, strong, deeply emotional word, and that it leads to action from God. Uh, and the Hebrew word is rachum. Here it actually helps having my Norwegian accent because I can do the like really well. But it's the Hebrew word is rachum. And it's an adjective meaning compassionate or compassionate one. Sometimes when we preach, we try to dazzle people and try to impress by all these Hebrew, Greek translations and stuff. Just actually saying that we know how to Google. That's not the point. Sometimes that's just not important. But I think sometimes it's actually helpful for us to look a little bit at the word. Why is this word used? And go a little bit deeper. And I think today is that kind of occasion to kind of look a little bit at it. So... I want us to spend enough time on the definition, on the word, rachim, that it raises hope in us sitting here in this room, like that it will mean something to us, but not so much that we kind of doze into theory land, so we will try to find a balance there. So every time the word compassion, rachim, is referred to in the Hebrew Bible, it's 99 times. Every time that is used, that could be like have compassion for, care deeply for, or compassionate. It, they all derive from the noun rechem, 
regem meaning womb, uh, female womb. So when it talks about compassion, it's, it comes from the word womb. To deeply feel God as a compassionate comes from that. So the root for the word compassion, rachum, is the meaning female womb. And the idea behind that is of the feeling a mother have for a newborn baby. That's, this is not us picking the words. This is the word God uses to first describe who he is. He chooses this word that comes from... And the idea is the strong feeling a mother has toward her infant child. And also the root of the womb speaks to that this comes from the center. This comes from deep within. This is, this is, it comes from within. Signals a mother's tender love for a helpless infant. A word that conveys intense emotions sometimes translated to deeply moved, deeply stirred. Stirred, that's the kind of, you feel it in your stomach, stirred. Tenderly pitiful. It's a word full of emotion, warm, strong. Think about it for a second. A mother's love for a helpless child. It's full of warm, strong, active, protective care. You don't want to get in between that. You don't want to mess with that. That is strong. And by the way, God is the one who gives us these comparisons throughout the Bible. This is how God feels for you, for a child. This kind of love is what he feels. And just to kind of get the strong feeling of this word, well, that's the first point, looking at compassion as a feeling word. There was a disturbing example, a little bit disturbing, I think, but we're going to look at it uh, just quickly, just to get the word. It's when King Solomon spoke to two, from, from the Old Testament, spoke to two women. One of their babies tragically dies. Both women are claiming that the one still alive is theirs. You might know this story. And he said, cut the babe, take a knife, cut the baby in two. That's, this is not a story you would speak about, like, hey, on after work or something like that. Like, have you heard about that story about... But it's there for a reason. Uh, cut the baby in half, and you can get each. And then it says, the real mother, the mother of, it just said, no, give the baby to the other one. And that is the same kind of word, rahim, deeply stirred. So the idea is, this mom, she knew this is my baby. I've been carrying this for nine months, and I love this baby. But I would rather give it away to have it die, to have it disappear. I would rather and just try to imagine the kind of strong emotions she would feel in that moment. How stirring, how... And why I'm using that as an example is because that's the same word that God uses when he says, I am compassionate. It's that kind of strong emotion that God... And we are not just making this to kind of... We want God to to have this character, or we want to make him soft or loving. No, this is his word. From Isaiah 49, 15, he says, Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion, rachim, on this, of the son of her womb? And God says, Even these may forget, 
but I will not forget you, is the same word used right here. Deep motherly love. Intense caring. And if your image of God is of someone who is distant, like a, a right, righteous judge kind of far away, just looking down, are you doing the right thing? Are you praying enough? Are you following? This is also for you. Like, this is how God actually chooses to speak. The first time he's speaking about who he is, he chooses compassionate, this kind of word. The Greek word for compassion is used in the story of the wayward son in the New Testament. And when, when the father sees the son coming back, he says he's deeply moved. He's stirred. It's the word splagnishome. Um, Say that to the one sitting beside you. Splagnishome. You don't have to do that. Um, The first part of that word, and now we are talking about the Greek, is splagna, means internal organs. It actually means internal organs. So that word used in that story to show the passion, the compassion from a father to a lost son, literally means to be moved so deeply by something that you feel it in the pit of your stomach. Twist intense intestines. I sometimes look at my son and I could say, and this is just a little bit of that, I can, I can truly say like sometimes I love him so much that it hurts. <laughs> you know that sometimes. It doesn't have to be a son or a child, but someone, you just feel it. It just hurts. And this is actually the word the Bible uses for compassion, that it twists and it's like, ah. So that was my first point. <laughs> my first point was compassion, the word used by God, is a very emotional word. It comes, it's a feeling word. The root is the womb of a mother and is depicted as a way a parent feels and views a child. And this should matter to us right now, sitting here with our struggles. Uh, so the number two, second use of this word that God uses to describe himself with isn't only an emotion. It's, it says it's an emotional word. But this word also motivates action. We see this in the way it's used in parallel relationship with the concept of forgiveness and the concept of deliverance. That's an action from God to actually forgive and to actually go in and deliver and rescue. And it's really... The word compassion, that's a part of that word. Also that God uses to choose as the first description of himself. So am I gonna th I'm going to throw some Bible verses, like just throw them out. And the point here is not for you to write it up or look it up. It's just to listen for the kind of how compassion is used with action from God. And about forgiveness, for instance, Micah 7, 19. He will have compassion, Rachel, on us. And he will cast all their sins to the depth of the sea. Strong feeling comes with an action of forgiving. Psalm 551, according to your compassion, Rachel, blot out my sins. 
compassion and forgiveness and action from God's side. side. Psalm 78. But he, being compassionate, forgave their iniquity and did not destroy them. And this use is often used in the context of deliverance and rescue. Where we are not able to rescue. We are not able to deliver ourselves or to help ourselves. It's really closely used to the action from God's side of deliverance. Listen to Hosea 1.7. I will have compassion, Vachim, on the house of Judah. And I will deliver them. We're just looking for the combination or the com- com- how this combines, how they are working together. Zechariah 10. I will strengthen the house of Judah. Action from God's side. I will save the house of Joseph. Action. And I will bring them back because I have had compassion on them. Same thing. Strengthening, deliverance, bringing back comes from this deeply stirring compassion of God. Nehemiah 9, they cried out to you in their time of distress. You heard from heaven, and according to your great compassion, you delivered them. And Psalm 116, that's a, that is actually a psalm that describes the heaviness of having anxiety, having fear, and being overwhelmed. It describes it in a really good way, and a in a, in a way that makes us understand that, okay, they know what they're talking about. This is, uh, I'll just pick some. And for in this psalm, he says, Lord, save me. Our God is full of compassion. When I was brought low, he saved me. He delivered me from death. So, compassion comes with action from God's side. It always comes like that. And if you just go back to, 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 to this day, and modern emotion researchers, there are those people, emotion researchers, they would say, like, compassion is defined as the feeling that arises when you are confronted with another's suffering and feeling a strong desire to relieve that suffering. Comparing this to the Bible is quite, the Bible is more colorful, deeper. Sometimes I think science today, we are just trying to find things that we already have. But this is an interesting kind of way to describe compassion. It comes with the feelings and it wants to, to relieve. And while empathy often is referred to a generally, to a, an ability to take the perspective of the other person, Uh, And to feel the emotion of the another person. Compassion is when those feelings and thoughts include the desire to act and to do something. And we have more than that. We have how he acted and how he did it. Uh, Let's look at Jesus. Let's always look at Jesus when we speak about anything. There we get the specific revelation of God's core character and nature explained. And in the New Testament, the Hebrew word rachim is often translated to oktirmos with the same compassion, to feel, to be stirred, to show pity, to show mercy. And splangnon, the word I was touching on, inner parts of the womb, deeply moved to have affection. And Jesus 
connects and demonstrates this, both the feeling part and the action part. Matthew 14. When he, Jesus, went ashore, he saw a large crowd and he felt compassion for them. And he healed the sick. He saw, he felt compassion and he acted, he healed the sick. God sees you as well. He sees what you are sitting with right now. Luke 7. Jesus approached the gate of the city. A dead man was being carried out. And when Jesus saw her, he felt compassion. Stirring, deep stirring for her and said, do not weep. He went up to the coffin and touched it and said, young man, I say to you, arise. He acted on that compassion. When he, Jesus, meets the leper in Mark 1, he says that he is being moved with compassion. And now we're talking about that word that includes the inner stomach being twisted. He was moved like that. Jesus is not saying, oh, this is a good moment to just point out my abilities. He's actually being really moved by it. He is moved with compassion. Jesus stretched out his hand and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And the ultimate act of compassion, both the feeling part, the caring part, and the deliverance part, we it's, of course, the cross. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. The agony and the salvation on the cross, on Isaiah 53. Where God, in his full compassion, became one with your suffering. And it took your punishment and carried away your sins. So has anyone ever said, what has God ever done for me? It's all there on the cross. And that's still open. The power for that. So we can actually ask the band to come up. At the start of this service or this message, I just asked you to just sit, kind of hold in your hands to whatever you right now struggle with or what, if there's anything that you feel like, this is heavy, this is keeping me up, this is taking time. I'm just going to give a word to you that is exactly the same that I've been giving, but just from a different angle. An angle. And this, from, this is from Isaiah 57, 15, where God says, and look, look for the compassionate one, look for the action of the compassionate one as I read this word. God says in Isaiah 57, 15, I live in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. And now we know why would he who live in a high and holy place even be bothered with my struggles? We know because of how he chose to, to describe himself. And would he even want to do something about my struggles? We also know that knowing what kind of description he actually used to say who he is. And you must know this, that he is not distant 
He is not disinterested. He's not just a powerful, righteous God that feels distant. He is all in. He is deeply engaged. In this crucial moment, we looked at from Exodus 34 on Mount Sinai. When the people of Israel had turned away, Moses was desperate. He cried, show me who you are. Show me who you really are. God chose to describe himself in a word that first conveys deep, stirring emotion. He likens it to what a mother feels for an infant child. He chooses a word that involves action to save, to forgive, and to deliver. And here we are today. Nothing you carry, nothing you go through is too big for God to be moved by because he is describing himself as a parent who deeply cares. Nothing you face right now is too small or too insignificant. It's like, oh, this is just, he would care about that in a deep way. As a parent, he is deeply invested. He is stirred and he cares. And he has the ability to deliver if you allow him. Let him take this time right now just to come, come with whatever you have and give that to him. And also give the time to him. Sometimes we come and say, God, do this now. Do it like this and this and this and in this timeline. Time God, as a parent, he cares and he has the ability to deliver and he knows. Um, for me, this colors my approach of God enormously, how I approach God. Like right now, there are things, of course, I have a, we have a son. Of course, there are things that kind of, ah, I wish that would be, ah, that worries us. And there's also things in my family right now that is a bit challenging. That, that uh, God, you need to do something. The way I approach this is not that I, I do not come to God and just say like, in God, in Jesus' name, I just, you are the compassionate one do it like this and this and this i don't say it's anything wrong with that but for me that's not how i approach my compassionate father i would rather come to god and say god i know you care i know you deeply care about this and you see how it affects me you see how it affects our family please god can you come can you take this can you do it i don't dictate to him like you need to do it tomorrow you need to do it by this deadline I give it to him and I ask him, come God, come and fill this situation. Come and be the deliverer. It colors, knowing that God is compassionate, it, it, it colors the way I speak to him. It colors the way I do not stress around him or try to get him to do the things I want him to do. But it makes me want to come to him. It makes me want to be completely honest because I know he deeply cares Psalm 103 13 just as a father has compassion it says there on his children so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him so that was it and I just have a couple of words that I want to share and you don't have to 
get a word because just being in this presence, just being in the presence of the God who cares and, and can deliver is enough. But I do had, I was here yesterday where there was no people in the church just praying for, for this, praying for you sitting right here right now. And I felt like someone of you is feeling, this is like a metaphor, like you are, are running around with a sprained ankle or a wounded leg. And you think like, I need to run, I need to be like they are, I need to be like that person. Um, and I actually feel this, God is saying, stop, sit down, rest and allow people to care for you. You even know who he talks about. Um, so like a metaphor, if you're, you're walking around with a sprain, something is hurting and you're feeling like, I need to be like that person. I just keep pushing through. God says to you, stop that, sit down, allow people to care for you. And I also saw, got a sense of something, another, another thing, like you have brought something to God in prayer for years and so many times. I just see kind of a prayer list. You have written it on a prayer list, a lot of other prayer stuff. The other things are moving, the other things are like changing, but this is always on the top of the list and always to the point that you feel like I don't even care anymore. It's this is, there's no use bringing this to God. And I just want to say, respectfully, I just want to say that I think you need right now just to hear how deeply God is moved by this, how, how much God actually cares. And that's it, what I want to say to, to you who feels like that. He deeply cares. Do not stop bringing to Him. He is moved. And then before... I just have one more thing, and this is a, uh, I think this is something that includes a lot of us. It might even include all of us. Who, what do I know? But a lot of us, I just sense in this room right now that you are caring for and worrying for a family member. And even if you are just listening to this podcast, it could be, you are caring and worrying for a family member to the point that it almost makes you sick. It's too hard to keep that going. I just feel that strongly. Like you are caring, worrying, thinking. There's a family member to the point that it just almost makes you sick. And I want to actually invite you as we do a little going to worship in a little while. If that is you, I want you to, actually this part of the left part of the stage, I want, if you can recognize this caring or worrying for a family member to the point that it just, I want you to come together and just stand here and use that area as a, just a way of just saying to God, God, come you are the compassionate one. And I'm thinking about you. I'm not saying come and God will boom, make everything. I'm act, I feel like God is caring for you who feel like this. So it might not even be that we are like putting our hands on you. If you want, you could, we can do that. But actually just come as a symbolic thing and just stand with others and just say to God, God, I need your compassion in this. I need your grace in this. I need your strength in this because this is too much for me to carry and I do feel God cares for that 
So as we go to worship, I want you to, if you feel like that, to just come and be here and just be in the presence of God as the rest of us worship. And just worship, just pray, just lay that in God's hands one more time as a symbolic action. And you don't even have to wait for the right moment or the right feeling. If that is you, just do that. And let's stand here and just, we can pray for you and we can pray with you. But just do that as a symbolic thing. And if there's anything else you feel like I need prayer for, I need, this has spoken to me, come to this side and, and we will pray for you. Just bless whatever God is doing right now. So we're going to give that a little time with worship as well. And don't wait for that. Just come and we are in this together. We are in this pre His presence together right now. Amen.